0: Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Are these girls going to be in the league? Hello, gorgeous. Female fight club. All men must die, but we are not men. many.
1: it, Christi- What do you think happened to Karen?
2: Lauren.
1: Her name is Kimberly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of the Citizen Dame podcast, the podcast where four awesome ladies get together and talk about film and television and... The men we love and <laughs> boys we hate. Um, so, today I am, well, I'm Karen Peterson and I am joined by Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. Lauren Humphreys brooks Hello. And Kimberly Pierce. Hello. And, um, well, let's just get right in it with the big news of the week. Well, some of the big news of the week. Harvey Weinstein may be facing life in prison.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like It's kind
1: of funny that a life sentence could be so exciting, but um, Harvey Weinstein, dude, he could go to prison forever, which he's like, you know, that could be 10 years, who knows, but um, it could be 40. Uh, So anyway, this week, the New York district attorney added a couple of additional charges onto what he is Currently being sent or being charged for, what he's currently up against, and uh, one of those charges, I forgot to link it. It was um, okay. So the grand jury added criminal uh, an additional. Count of a criminal sex act in the first degree, as well as, here it is, two counts of predatory sexual assault, a Class A2 felony, which carries a minimum sentence of 10 years and a maximum sentence of life in prison. Mm. So, yeah. He could be going away forever. And we said to a better garbage person. Exactly. So, the garbage man who brought it all down could be going away for life and I just want to know like what do you guys think about this obviously we're excited at this prospect but did you ever really think this could happen
0: no I, I mean no I didn't and and even now I'm still of the group that he could I don't believe he will and that's that's where I, I mean I know Cosby kind of gave us all this hope that, that something could happen to, to one of these guys even though Cosby has not been he hasn't been sentenced yet, correct? No. I don't think so. No. I think his sentencing um, is next week. Yeah, so he hasn't been sentenced yet. Um, so, I mean, even then, they could decide to give him, you know, a slap on the wrist or as lenient as they can get. So, I mean, we still have a trial to go through. Um, I, I'm optimistic, but having seen how our country responds to things like this in history, I, I don't think we'll be seeing him in prison for very long, if he's even convicted.
2: I, I, I'm, I guess I'm on the more optimistic side, and, and largely because of Cosby, because maybe before Cosby was finally convicted, I would not have said that, oh, no, we're, you know, there's, nothing is actually going to come of this. The fact that Cosby was convicted, regardless of what his sentence is, um, the fact that he was convicted basically says that, you know, at least people are taking these things seriously, and it's possible to get convictions. Of these very high-profile, very wealthy men um, who have had patterns of predatory behavior and patterns of, of rape, but I mean, I said this—I've said this, I've, I've this before—that the New York, whatever New York District Attorney is pursuing this, and they would not be pursuing this if they thought they couldn't get him in some way. What that is ultimately going to turn into? I mean, he is a very wealthy man. Um, he's been a very successful man up until all of this. You know, happens. So it's it's an open question of what it will al- what will ultimately come of, him. and some of it is going to have to do with the individual cases. Um, but I still have hope that like we'll see something come out of this. The fact that they're charging him with crimes that are this serious is already a step in the right direction.
3: Yeah, that New York DA. I could I I could you know I am just so ecstatic that it's even progressed as far as it is. Um, I will admit probably still being... I'm pretty close kind of with what Kristen already echoed just in terms of I'm a little... I'm wary, but they've already proven me wrong with even bringing charges, which I am ecstatic that they're looking into it this hard and that New York has found this much to pin on him and that they clearly mean business with this. So I am perfectly... I'm glad to see that and I'm willing to wait and watch it out while I'm still cynical that it could add up to much or I'm not, you know, necessarily expecting that. They've proven me wrong once before.
1: I am with Lauren. I'm really encouraged by the fact that they're taking this seriously enough to charge him and that they, I mean, they didn't add on these additional charges until just a few days ago. And the fact that they held off means to me that they were waiting until they knew they could prove it in court in front of a jury and like this isn't just for show because they could have made a big fuss of oh we're trying to investigate this but sorry it's just been too long and it's all just you know he said she said so we can't really do anything but they're not doing that they're not going that route they're actually pursuing this And I, I mean, maybe he's not going to get a life sentence, but I think he will do some real jail time and I am here for it. (laughs) So I, I, um, I really hope that in the next year we see a lot of movement on this case. And I mean, honestly, the best case scenario would be he finally realizes he's lost all of his, well, any of his allies of real uh, influence, because nobody's going to attach themselves to him at this point. He's lost his company, and I mean, where's he going to go? What's he going to do? So, I would love to see him just realize that he's he's done, realize he's he's lost everything, and just save everyone the trouble and just plead guilty, and even if it means a, a lighter sentence, it would just be nice to have that, you know have him say in court yep i did it and just move on from there so Mm -hmm. but someone else who is still in big big trouble and getting into worse and worse trouble is kevin spacey uh over in london scotland yard has been investigating him for since the news broke about all the different um assaults and and attempted rapes and, and scotland yard um is now investigating three additional cases over in Britain. um what are y'all thinking about Kevin Spacey?
0: I hate him so much <laughs> and again as as somebody who was a a big fan of Kevin Spaceys up until all of this this broke and then I realized that like I, this this is the one I, I've told a lot of people just makes me feel like a big fat idiot because i'd heard stories that he was an asshole but i did not think that he was like a rapist and and so i feel very stupid now about being duped by a celebrity persona um so so hearing this is just again just makes me feel like i'm a big big idiot um so i'm, I'm again anybody needs to go to jail it's definitely him um i mean three th- th- this brings the total to six investigations interest. i think mm-hmm. for him Yes. Um, going back several years Um, so yeah I'm just I'm done I'm done with him he needs to go away forever
1: well, well Kristen I think you need to remember I mean this comes back to what we were talking about a couple weeks with, ago with Chris Hardwick. Like, this is a man who has built a career on how people see him and what people think of him. And right. you can't feel stupid because you believed it, you know? I mean, yeah, there were some of those stories, but there, I don't remember ever hearing, other than that, weird South, or not, was it South Park?
0: Yeah, the Family
1: about, Guy. Oh, Family Guy, yeah. Like, other than that, I don't remember ever even hearing a whisper of him being involved in in rape and assault and stuff like that No, no, I, yeah, exactly. I had heard stories
0: I had heard stories that he was an asshole Like, right. verbally abusive well, and, and just a douche
2: and there, and there are people that are assholes that are not rapists Or pedophiles right. I, exactly. mean, I, mean, I mean, there are <laughs> yeah, fact, I was just are like, oh, just a dick <laughs> Well,
1: But there are also people that are perfectly nice That some people don't like them And say, oh, that person's an asshole Because to them they are But, you know, I mean Some of those some of those stories, you—I you, mean, even when you hear it, you're not necessarily sure when to believe it and when not to. So, I mean, it's—you're—you're you're not stupid for for buying into what he was selling. Yeah, I, what were you going to say,
2: Lauren? I was just going to say about the because um, I think that this week was also in Guy Guy Pierce in an in interview. I saw it on um, the Hollywood Reporter. I don't know where the original interview was, but he—they oh, yeah. they had asked him about working with Kevin Spacey in, in *L.A. Confidential* and And him saying something like well he he's that the whole thing didn't surprise him. he's a very handsy guy, but i was twenty I, thankfully i was twenty nine and not fourteen ooh ooh, and that was like holy shit, man,
0: <laughs> like I love guy Pierce <laughs> yeah guy,
2: guy Pierce was not fucking around, you know he I, as far as I could tell, he didn't come out and say anything like um." You know, oh yeah, I totally knew that he was a jackass or or anything else. But there's still that, like, edge of just like, yeah, yeah, this was not cool. So obviously stuff went down on Ellie Confidential that he was not comfortable with.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting that you're hearing men come out against Spacey specifically. You know, you're not hearing men come out about Chris Hardwick or any of the myriad names of garbage men that we've talked about over over the the months uh going into a year um but yeah this is the second story that i've heard about somebody saying kevin spacey was an asshole john bernthal pretty much admitted like dude was a total asshole and he hated him he, they almost got into like a physical altercation um, because kevin spacey was just like verbally abusive to people um so it makes you wonder and and this is not to give spacey a pass in any way shape or form but Spacey is a gay man. These are straight men coming out and saying, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, like I totally knew he was a dick. Um, that that there was something wrong, there was something untoward. It's int- I don't know what the what hypothesis I'm spewing, but it's interesting. It's interesting There is
1: an update no. on the Guy Pierce thing though. Um there he gave an interview, I guess, yesterday. Um this is on Andrew Denton's show Interview, which is in Australia. And he says that he regrets talking about it. um let's see. oh, he told Fairfax media he wished to clarify his comments regarding Spacey, and that while he was not sexually assaulted, he was made to feel uncomfortable um he says he regrets making that public that he had addressed it and handled it at the time, and he yeah, he and see that's that that's sad out. he
0: he shouldn't feel bad about. Coming to other people's defenses and legitimizing—I mean, to to be a, a straight male to come out and say, you know, I felt uncomfortable by this guy—that that probably helps victims who read that story and say, you know what, that that's legitimizing something. That's that's giving them the kind of support that they're probably looking for. So I I I'm a little sad that he want, he wants to take them back.
1: Well, I think this speaks to kind of how how a lot of men in particular see things like see these kinds right. of issues it's i handled it i should have just shut up about it it was over like no clearly it wasn't over because that movie was 20 years ago and look at all the things that happened in the you know aftermath well so. and the,
2: other, the other side of it and i i think that this is where pierce's comment is interesting um is that he's saying i was 29 right and and so there's there's this element that what because spacey isn't just accused of being inappropriate he isn't he isn't you know quote just accused of sexual assault he's accused of assaulting boys right teenage boys underage boys right and that element to so pierce at the age of 29 probably has a a a great deal of self self self-assertion he was already kind of a big star by that point all of that, and so if Spacey crosses a line with him, he has more of an ability to say no, right? This is someone that's a colleague. This isn't even someone who is a producer or someone like that who's in power over him. So Pierce has, a, has an ability to, to react to that and to put it away and to be like, this, that's it, don't, don't touch me again, leave me alone. A 14-year-old boy doesn't really have those same resources. Right. And, and so I think that that's important, regardless of whether or not Pierce you know, wishes that he hadn't talked about it or anything like that. It's important to, to make that distinction. I also, honestly, I think that, I think that there, may, there may be issues of homophobia and issues about the way that men relate to other men. But there's also the fact that, obviously, Spacey was not well-liked, even by people who he did not behave inappropriately with. Like, this is a guy, you know, keep on saying John Berthold talking about him being an asshole. It's just like, John Bernthal just like, you're. he was a jerk, right? He was mean. so I think that a lot more people are willing to come out and be like, yeah, I fucking hate Kevin Spacey because he was not likable to begin with.
0: I will find, I, I will say it's, it's pretty hilarious. I tweeted about this, that the TCM went into overdrive to pull the, the, um, Kevin Spacey narrated, uh, piece that he did on jack Levin. but i woke up this morning and heard the dulcet tones of mr brett ratner talking about kirk douglas so
3: oh, yeah
0: i kind, I kind of wanted to tag tcm and be like so that one slipped by you or is that just gonna go
1: yeah well one more person who sucks at everything and is total asshole um terry gilliam <laughs>
0: Well, we've, we've known that for a while as we've documented. Yeah. So
1: now he apparently identifies as a black lesbian because that's going to make him likable. Um. Oh, my gosh. he's.
0: I hate he him so be- much.
1: Kristen, why don't you talk about this one?
0: <laughs> so, okay, I guess there was a diversity debate on BBC, which referenced Monty Python. And he was commenting on this, uh, BBC is, I guess, promoting some sort of new comedy programming um, where they emphasized uh, that the BBC channel was committed to telling, quote, stories that haven't been told and the voices we haven't yet heard. And that when he was asked about Monty Python's Flying Circus, they were saying that it would be a diverse range of people who, quote, reflect the modern world. Um, this is the BBC controller of comedy commissioning. And so at a press conference at the Karlovy Vary Film Festival, uh, where Terry Gilliam was there promoting his movie that he owns, I think, until tomorrow, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, he said um that you it makes him upset that you couldn't have six white men making a comedy show anymore he says that's bullshit now quote now we need one of this one of that everybody represented I no longer want to be a white male I don't want to be blamed for everything wrong in the world I tell the world now I'm a black lesbian (sighs) oh finish that sentence Kristen do I have to (laughs) (laughs) He says, he goes on to say, quote, my name is Loretta and I'm a BLT, a black lesbian in transition. I fucking hate myself for having to say that. But you know what,
1: though? I think that people need to hear exactly how bad oh, it was what he God. said.
0: I'm going to need to swill with some mouthwash after this. Seriously. So, yeah, Terry Gilliam can just go away. Just, just go, go away, please. Lauren,
1: I know you have thoughts.
0: <laughs> it's just so... I, you know, I was saying this to my roommate the
2: other day because, because he actually came into my room and said, so you guys will have a lot to talk about this week. <laughs> and I was like, what are you referencing specifically? He's like, Terry Gilliam? I was like, yeah, okay. Um, and, and, but I said this, I really like Terry Gilliam's films. I actually, really,
0: oh, I love Monty Python. My, uh, holy Grail, Holy Grail is am, is great. I I love Holy Grail. I I love Monty Python. I love Life of Brian. I love Flying
2: Circus. I I love. I you love know, the sketch about the parrot. Yeah, when when so, and and I think the again what Gilliam is is hearing apparently, you know, beyond all of his other problems, what he seems to be hearing is that diversity means you know you and and the guys that you performed with are no longer valid in some way which is not at all true like no one is saying oh we're just going to erase monty python because they were a bunch of uh, white dudes It's, it's just basically saying like we've moved on right things have changed since the 1970s monty python has been criticized sometimes about its behavior towards women um, about the way that it relegates female characters to the background about the way that when female characters are not relegated to the background they're played by men in dresses you know mm-hmm. that that whole thing and that's not saying that Monty Python is bad and that you're not allowed to like Monty Python or that you're not allowed to appreciate any of these guys it's just saying like we're moving ahead right we're moving beyond this and it's like no you can't you know Monty Python probably cannot exist today and that's okay
0: well, and, and the thing too, I think, is that, and and we're seeing this again with comments on Taylor Sheridan, there's this concept that movies age, but that doesn't mean that you can't appreciate what they set out to say back at the time. People love Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind I is racist. I mean, it is, but... You can watch the, the time period that is made in 39, time period is talking about the Civil War, and you can kind of look at that through those lenses as well as how it plays today to audiences in, in 2018. Same with stuff that had like blackface, you know, like Holiday mm-hmm. Inn or uh, Torch Song, stuff like that. I mean, you always have to look at things contextually. And Monty Python is the same way. It's no different than men, you know that 80s movie you love so much is probably incredibly misogynist. But that doesn't mean we can't say that you can't, we're saying that you can't watch it, you can't like it anymore. We're saying just understand that the 80s were a really inhospitable time for women. And that women watching this movie today, just as they probably did in 1980, might or might not be pleased with the depiction of women. Or the depiction of minorities or something like that. We're just saying actively watch
1: Yeah, but the thing is, though, that that is how I was feeling about a lot of Terry Gilliam stuff until he wouldn't shut the fuck up. That's right, yeah. If he had just shut up, we could have all thought that. Yeah, and the more that he talks and the more he says bullshit like this, the more I think, oh, no, all that stuff that he did in the past, that wasn't because it was a product of his time. That was because he's a total racist, misogynist (laughs) asshole. Mm -hmm. That changes my viewing of it, honestly. If he would just shut up then we could still enjoy those things while enjoying, you know, other things that are more diverse and, and inclusive. I'm just but, you amazed know,
2: that, that he managed to get transphobia in there too. Like it was just like I we're know. we're not just we're gonna double down on all of the phobic shit. Like not
1: I want you to know exactly how big of an asshole I really <laughs> it, am. I was just
2: gonna say. I mean I, I think someone on Twitter like said said something about like having managed to actually make and eventually release the Don Quixote movie, Terry Gilliam has decided to destroy himself. Yep.
0: <laughs> just <laughs> like, enjoy funny. that while watching The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, because, you know, we really need that, apparently.
1: Kim, what would you like to say?
3: I, it, this, well, I'm, I'm looking at this article, and the fact that it goes on to mention Cleese commenting on this, too. Just, I, I make a plea to the rest of Monty Python, just let Terry Gilliam go. just, Just, I. It's, I. I am a big Monty Python fan, so this one is hard. Um, but I have to echo what Kristen said. Just, it's about watching things actively through, just through a historical lens, being able to understand things contemporarily. I'm a film historian by education and it's, you can watch and you can appreciate, you can like whatever the hell you want, but you know, we just need to be able to understand where things are coming from. And uh, Terry Gilliam's an asshole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I feel like we, and we've mentioned this before on this podcast and talking about compartmentalization and how women and pretty, again, I'm just going to start using the everybody, but white men, <laughs> Mm -hmm. have had if you want to appreciate any kind of mainstream filmmaking at all across generations you have to you have to be able to compartmentalize you have to be able to ignore a part of the screen or a part of the subtext because you because it isn't being in some ways it's not being made for you it's being made with a view to you being lesser in one way or another and that and that's simply the way that it has been for a long time and so in some ways i am beginning to come to the point that i feel like women and and non-white dudes in general are better equipped to be film critics and to comment in nuance about film because we've had to do that because we've had to see things that are problematic in everything that we love and still love it and know that just because those things are problematic doesn't mean we're not allowed to love them and just because we love them doesn't mean that they're not
3: problematic
1: all right any other final thoughts on this one before we move on okay
3: just leave it alone michael palin just stay away.
1: white <laughs> white men are
0: canceled for the
1: <laughs> they're michael on Pan- probation is- they are on house arrest and uh we'll reconsider them in a year um <laughs> <laughs> so let's see moving on so uh just a little bit of programming news this week focus features announced that they are shifting a couple of their fall release dates uh boy erased which is the film starring uh, lucas hedges nicole kidman russell crowe and joel edgerton and i the believe the gay edgerton conversion also directs film it. yes yes um it's based on a book that movie is being moved from september 28th to a very comfortable uh right in the middle of awards season november 2nd so i think they're i think focus has decided they're really going to push this movie for some awards consideration so uh also this will give it more time to build buzz on the festival route so that's happening and then um Kristen, try to try to fight back the tears on the Basis of Sex, which stars Felicity Jones and... Um, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, oh, yeah. Army <laughs> Hammer.
0: <laughs> Directed by Mimi Letter. Should have been yeah. the first thing. <laughs>
1: um. Anyway, that film, which is actually about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, is being moved from November to December 25th, which doesn't do much for its awards prospects, but now Kristen gets a Christmas present, so. (laughs)
0: Um, I probably won't actually, because Christmas Day limited releases don't actually come, uh, so unless I'm living in LA by this point, which I'm, I'm knocking on some wood will be the case, um, but if I'm still here, that means I probably won't get to see it till January.
1: Well, so it'll be a happy new year for you.
0: Eh, well, I don't, I don't know about that, but (laughs) either way
1: anyway so that's happening um let's see and then some casting news this week who is super excited to see scarlett johansson in her next big dramatic work um
0: well we we should mention a couple a couple things because deadline's article is incorrect yeah it is not it is not um so this is actually the story of of Dante gill tex gill um who is a, a trans man um so it's wonderful how deadline um completely dead names the, the real person um yeah. so it's supposed to be directed by rupert sanders who directed scarlett johansson and ghost in the shell um which was the oh, one oh, yeah which <laughs> is a wonderful also movie, kind which,
2: of Fucked up Kristen Stewart's career for a while. I just want to mention That's right. That. he is uh, a gigantic a dork. Fucking hate him. Yeah. Anyways, uh,
0: that was Ghost We're in the Shell was a movie. For
1: this movie, yo.
0: Ghost in the Shell was a movie where Scarlett Johansson played an Asian woman. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Dante Gill uh, was a uh, crime kingpin in the '70s who ran uh, some massage parlors and an anabolic steroids ring that helped fuel the Steelers NFL dynasty. That's um, what it
1: was. Yep. Yeah,
0: so, um, and a lot of, a lot of trans, uh, women have come out, uh, specifically Trace Lizette, who, um, was on Transparent and was very vocal about Jeffrey Tambor. She went on Twitter to discuss, um, this, this whole concept about how, um, you know, trans actresses, even when there are trans roles, can't get offered, they would rather give them to, to cis actresses. Um, Sense8's uh, Jamie Clayton, uh, who is also a transgender woman, um, pointed out that, you know, quote, actors who are trans never even get to audition for anything other than the roles of trans characters. That's the real issue. We can't even get in the room. Cast actors who are trans as non-trans characters. Um, and, and see, that's this, this whole debate just kind of goes back to, to what I always say about disabled characters, too. You know, disabled actors don't get cast in movies, whether it's about disability or not. They they can't even get an audition. It's just easier to put Jay Gyllenhaal Hall in a wheelchair. Um. So so hearing their comments, it's it's totally it's relatable in a way that is different because they're they're two totally different minority communities. Um. But I understand their frustration. Um. And and just the constant horrific way that Deadline and Variety other news sources reported this just shows that you need to have more people writing from these groups. Uh, Mike Fleming wrote the original article. So you should all know Mike Fleming is an awful human being. So we should have known that he would, of course, do something stupid like this. Um, and the fact that Deadline has not made any effort to correct any of this information says yeah, a lot. no.
1: They haven't. They haven't updated the original article. Right. Nothing. And on top of that, ScarJo decided to make things even better for herself by issuing a statement that...
0: Double you know, down, address, white girl. Double yeah. down.
1: So she addresses this to Bustle and she says, tell them that they can be directed to Jeffrey Tambor, Jared Leto, and Felicity Huffman's reps for comment. Because, of course, all of them won awards for playing trans characters. Okay, so let's... And all of them were
0: criticized for it. Mm-hmm. All of right, them. Right, right. And let's not ignore... Th- let's not it. ignore... Right. Let's not ignore the fact that Jeffrey Tambor was accused of sexual harassment by trans actresses. Jared Leto is had issues with harassment. Really the only person that's not controversial as a person in that statement is Felicity Huffman. Mm-hmm. And I feel I feel bad that she's associated with those two asshats.
1: Yeah. So, we're super pumped for this movie to <laughs> die a horrible death. <laughs> well, and, the,
2: and what's really sad about it is that the story sounds fascinating.
1: It does. Like this sounds
2: and like I a great movie. movie. I'm like, I would totally yeah. be down for seeing this. Why can you not cast a trans actor in a trans role? My God. And and I know that all of the excuses and Chris and this goes back to what you were saying. All the excuses that people have used are like, well, you want to get a name actor, and which I get, but it's it's a it's self perpetuating um, because if you never cast trans actors in anything, if you just like if you never cast people with disabilities in anything if you never cast black people in anything then you can't get those people who become name actors right so at some point something has got to give you've got to start actually casting people you know trans actors and trans roles you have to do that in order for them to become names so that they can continue to be cast in these roles
1: well and look at how often we have that happen where i mean they can they can promote you know really well-known supporting actors like who were some of the people that you know that are in the background who are some of the supporting players in this story make some of them well-known people if you need a big name draw but have your it's fine to have your lead be a relatively unknown person or there are a bunch of of trans actresses to choose from now well, and the thing I have actors, an sorry. issue
0: with regarding regarding the name name recognition is that really only seems to get trotted out when it's a minority community asking for representation because mm-hmm. let's all think about this was Chris Pratt a name when we cast him in what what was like the first big movie he did, what Jurassic World Guardians? Uh, well, no, he was well, technically he was because he was on television. Uh, bullshit! That was not <laughs> name recognition. No one knew who the fuck Chris Pratt well, was. He
1: wasn't a, really a, one of the stars of Parks and Rec, so yeah, I would say I would say Guardians. Well, yeah, I, Ryan I, Reynolds. I even, I even Ryan remember. Reynolds
0: was was he a name before they cast him in like any of the big chances he got before Deadpool? No. So you you have an issue with name recognition, and we've proven Scarlett Johansson. have we proven she's quote-unquote bankable because none of her movies I think you could really say are based their success is based on her name alone you know you can go with genre and all these other things um so I think the whole concept of bankability and name recognition I think we've more than proven that with a director a studio money behind you good good scripts movies have been praised for casting unknown actors
2: yeah exactly well, and with the Pratt thing, I remember when he was initially cast, I think it was in Guardians, that everyone was like, what,
0: that guy? That guy, yeah, he's <laughs> that guy!
1: Yeah. Well, because he had done a lot of stuff, but he just hadn't done anything that was really high profile yet. So, it was like, people knew who he was, but he definitely wasn't a star until that came along, so. And now he's everywhere, so. Your God, Wal- um, Rose. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so moving on from there let's see um oh movie pass introduced peak pricing this weekend and people are freaking out so basically movie pass has has now um changed their tier structure a little bit so you still have your base pay you know pays base 10 bucks a month But then if you go at certain times of the day, you know, when like lots of people want to go to the movies, then you have to pay a little bit extra in order to have the privilege of going to big popular movies at big popular times. And some people are really mad about this. In fact, I was in a conversation the other day with someone who was telling me that this is ridiculous. I'm going to cancel my account. And I was just like, okay. So you'd rather pay $14 for a movie instead of $3 for a movie. Go you! So You're really showing um. them. <laughs> yeah, like wow. And he's like, well I don't go to the movies that often. And I'm like, okay, even if you go twice a month it's $14 at the theater that you go to. If you have to pay $3 for the peak price, then you're still saving money. Um, but also... You don't have to go during the peak price. It's not like it's all the time. Like, oh, Ant Man. If you want to see it, you always have to pay this extra. No, it's just if you go at certain times of the day, for certain <laughs> weekends. So, I don't understand the mentality. I think this is more of just people expecting something for as cheap as possible, and they don't understand how uh, business works.
2: Well. I don't know. And, and you know movie pass has not done themselves any favors they keep on fucking around with their plans they keep on like you know they're, they're, now there are some times where you have to take pictures of your ticket stubs in order to you know keep your account and all this so movie has not been doing great uh, in terms of their customer service true but yeah I'm still with you I'm like I, I, I said it online I was like I went to eight movies last month and I paid and I did not pay to go to a single one of them like I did not buy a ticket I use movie pass every single time I live in New York City like I can, I would have to do the calculations but it would cost me somewhere around a hundred dollars to do that if I was just paying regular pricing in New York I'm not I'm and I'm that's just not gonna happen so I I don't know why why people are bitching about this except that a lot of the people that I see bitching about this are film critics who get to go to movies for free anyways because they get into press screenings
0: well the thing is is i mean yeah this movie pass does feel like they're kind of coming up with stuff off the fly because theaters are. are are trying to combat you know amc put out their own pass Uh, Cinemark has their their system which apparently is great if you're disabled you can't get a regular seat in the movie theater Um, funny how that's not being marketed it was sold to me that way Um, so I mean I have issues with how they're trying to combat response while simultaneously saying like look at these other companies that have kind of stolen our idea and come up with their own stuff Um, At the same time, yeah, I I normally go to movies um, as early as I can or as late as I can. So I I usually don't go in the afternoon. Um, And so this doesn't really bother me. Yeah, I have to make sure I have $3 in my bank account because they're going to charge my card. But, I I mean, I don't really see how this is an issue. Um, And peak pricing is something that's starting to proliferate you know theme parks and why not movie tickets like I just see it figure it's the natural progression
1: yeah it actually makes a lot of sense because and in taking movie pass out of it peak pricing makes sense and actually my the regal has started doing that like I know at the theater down the street from my house there are certain times of the day where their movies just cost more and not just based on matinee but like fridays friday and saturdays at like seven from seven to nine it's a little bit more of a surcharge too and it's like well yeah that's when people want to go so if you want to make sure to get a good seat you just got to pay a little bit more and i mean maybe it's not the most fun thing but you know this is how business works
0: I'll just I'll just shut it down by going on my grist for my handicapped agenda. Just be fortunate <laughs> that you all can choose between 99% of the movie theater, okay? Oh, so, I know. just just saying, yep. $3 and you get to sit wherever the fuck you want. Just just saying. Just think of that before you tweet about how it's bullshit that you have to pay $3. It's bullshit that I have to choose between two seats. Exactly. Boom.
1: Exactly. <laughs> there you go. So, Um, On that note, let's move on to a super exciting movie project (laughs) that we all just can't wait for. Um, Apparently, there is a super secret movie that everyone knows about that is... um, It's like Fight
0: Club. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Everybody knew Fight Club.
1: (laughs) Yep. Uh, I believe they're filming this down in Louisiana.
0: That sounds um, right.
1: Yeah. It's uh, a movie about Roe v. Wade. And
0: um, with the totally original title of Roe v. Wade,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. so super creative there. Uh, this is the brainchild of Nick Loeb, a wealthy conservative banking heir, most famous for his embryo battle with ex-fiance Sophia Vergara. So, by the way, this is from the Daily Beast uh that quote i just read it was not my original thought um just want to make that clear Th- thank, you, Karen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you um <laughs> anyway
0: <laughs> it's, more, it's like oh i got it. what you uh, I just I got
1: I, I just got it sorry
0: <laughs> so, that's um, how you properly cite a source kids yeah so <laughs> uh this speech. movie is
1: <laughs> right um so this movie is filming in new orleans under the fake title 1973 hmm, what happened in 1973 oh roe v wade um anyway people, so i was gonna be- say
0: people walked on the moon and i was like shit that's not right
1: that is not correct um <laughs> so anyway uh there's a whole movie coming out later this year kristen about that exact thing walking on the moon. Anyway. Space um, jazz! (laughs) So, uh, this film is basically uh, an anti-abortion film, which has cameos by super awesome like, to make fun of people Tommy Lahren, Milo Yiannopoulos um, Stacey
0: Dash
1: Yeah mm -hmm.
0: John Boyd Um,
1: So, i'm not entirely sure is this a narrative film or a documentary yes. no it's okay, narrative, narrative It's a
0: narrative film it is a narrative film um it, where you gonna make those people act their inspiration presumably nick loeb's inspiration is um uh 1960s 1970s i don't really know when it came out um anti-abortion um quote-unquote documentary called the silent scream which is actually that was in the
1: eighties. Oh the eighties,
0: excuse me. So I just I just thought it was in a time when people were stupid and reductive.
1: Nineteen
0: eighty four. Um, okay. Oh well, never mind. That makes way more sense now. Um so so yeah, it's it's based off of that. Um, so there you go. It's a it's a got some great source material. Um but yeah, it's it's their take on, on Roe v. Wade. Um, supposedly uh, Nick Loeb is playing um, the guy who is the co founder of the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws. He's also going to be the narrator of the movie. Um, Stacey Dash is gonna play the founder of the National Right to Life Committee. Jamie Kennedy, that fine thespian, is playing an anti-abortion rights activist. Joey Lawrence is playing a Fordham University law professor who fought against abortion. Oh my gosh, abortion. I was just
1: thinking the other
0: day, whatever happened to Joey Lawrence? <laughs> so the next time somebody laughs at me about saying I think Josh Rowland could have played a doctor, I'm gonna be all, hey, do you believe Joey Lawrence could have played a law professor? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's also got uh, Kelsey Grammer's daughter is gonna be in it. Um, a bunch of other people that are horrible, um, John Voight's gonna play one of the Supreme Court Justices, along with Corbin Burnson, John Snyder, William Forsythe, and Robert Davi! God damn it! I love him! I've interviewed him! I didn't know this! Ugh! This ruins my whole day! How do um, you
1: not know about the this secret movie
0: before you I knew about the secret him? movie! I didn't know Robert Davi was part of the secret, okay? Maybe, maybe he just needs the money, Kristen. Maybe that's all. Uh, that's true. Supposedly the movie, uh, Daily Beast has a long thing about the, the script, I guess, they got. And mind you, this is a script that's supposedly so inflammatory, the, the director, the original director, and the first assistant director quit on the spot. and nick Loeb and his uh i guess co co producer whoever who have never directed a movie are making this film um and supposedly have no idea what they're doing and people are quitting en masse they're not being allowed to film on certain sets um and they're trying to say oh it's because it's a pro-life movie no it's because the movie is fucking wrong On so many, so many different ways, Um, I I recommend going to watch um, or read the Daily Beast article, which um, looks at the script and it sounds so terrible because, and I say terrible in the sense that it's poorly written, but terrible in the sense that, oh my god, I hope this doesn't get any theatrical release because it's just wrong they literally frame the reproductive rights movement as a racist plot quote a racist plot on a par with hitler's final solution just, just let yeah, it sink bro. in let it sink for a second um i mean regardless of whether you are pro-life or pro-choice you should at least expect a film and and again i, I said this when i said watched when we talked about sicario incitement, incitement is a thing. And and certain movies from certain groups, and I'm not gonna name the groups, are promoting this concept of a movie. We don't have to have facts, you don't have to have facts. Feelings are facts now, because that's the world we live in. If you think it, or you looked it up online, then it's true. And my problem is, is a movie like this where Roe v. Wade is so controversial, and we're having issues with this now with the the recent um, resignation of, of one of the Supreme Court justices, to have a movie that plays like what they're going to show you at a crisis you know pregnancy center yeah just really really don't don't you expect movies to i I get that we live in a world where biopics kind of play fast and loose with the truth but this is a movie that is inciting a conservative base to believe that people who seek abortions are racists who want to kill white people like really
2: this this is propaganda this yes this is very this is far right propaganda and and you know what back in film school i remember studying films that were made um just prior to well actually during the just prior to world war ii but during the rise of, of hitler and the nazi party to power and those films are propaganda and usually they are films that are posing as historical narratives are films that are posing as you know mythological narratives or simply like this is the day-to-day life of a german family you know in in 1938 and but if you watch them, they're just like oh look how the the jews are all evil and villainous and caricatures and everything what we produce what we show on screen actually does matter this sort of shit is actual propaganda this it's not funny this is not something that, you know, I know that it's, it looks like it's going to be terrible, probably is going to be terrible. This is not something that we should be joking about or that we should be showing it. You know, there, there, there were numerous people, white men on Twitter yesterday that I got very mad about. And to give one of them credit, he deleted the tweet that, that I took issue with. Um, but, the, but this was something that I kept on seeing repeated was the, these guys talking about this as though this was just funny. That, oh, isn't it hilarious that these guys who don't know how to make a film are making a film like this. just like, no, this isn't funny. This is women who are fucking terrified of what is going to happen to them over the next six months, the next year, the next ten years. They are making a movie that is inflammatory. Abortion doctors have been murdered. Like, literally murdered. Shot. Clinics have been blown up. And you think that a bunch of right-wing nut jobs making a movie like this... Is funny it's not this is not funny this is real people's lives I'm still pissed
0: per the Daily Beast article the abortion rights movements inner circle is quote depicted as a shady cabal of rich lefty Jews who meet in exotic locations like st. Croix and the Russian tea room to boast about the money they're raking in through abortions over daiquiris and pastrami sandwiches this is fucking Nazi propaganda this is like like, Lenny Raifenstahl right now is, is having a fucking field day in her grave. Because this is just, this is on par. I'm just, and again, that's not to say you can't make a movie about, from a conservative lens, about Roe v. Wade. You can. I mean, we live in a world where faith-based films have an audience. But there's a difference between making a faith-based film that shows your views and making what fucking Dinesh D'Souza makes. Which is just, like, lies and slander meant to incite people to go out and beat the shit out of a liberal. You know? And that's, I think, what this movie is. You can make a movie about about abortion that shows your viewpoints. But you need it to be factual. Like, damn it, you should... If If I have to defend every single point I write in an article, then a movie script about a real fucking topic that affects millions of women should also have real facts in them.
1: And this is a problem that we're seeing not just in the abortion debate but everywhere like if you want who's who is this movie being made for? They right. they this movie is being made for Uh, their side people that they want to stir up but if they really cared about the issue at hand if they really wanted this to be about making a difference they would make something that was more balanced that wasn't so propagandized because then you have the potential of educating people to your point of view and maybe I'm not saying they would in this case but in other types of controversial situations or subjects you have the potential of winning people over based on presenting them with a logical set of facts and educating them and instead what they're choosing to do is stir up you know a bunch of people who are already pissed off and who already have a lot of misinformation and just spoon-feeding them more and this is just driving a bigger wedge instead of bridging gaps so And keep right keep in like, mind
0: this is a movie that supposedly has several graphic scenes of fetuses and baby parts Yeah but but according to Nick Lowe this is a PG film And and my 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 further issue too is that And I don't follow kind of like the gossip rags, but Nick Loeb is only known, only known for fighting Sofia Vergara for those embryos in court and forcing her to give them up to him so that he could have a child that shared her DNA that she did not want with him. I have a real, like, sick issue with a guy who could not let his ex girlfriend go to the point that he wanted to create a child that had her DNA so that he could remain close to her. Making a movie about this topic—fuck
1: this movie. Look. That's all I got. Exactly. Uh, okay. So let's move on. Let's get to from something that happier. <laughs> I need to go take a shower. <laughs> this is gross. Okay, um, so here's something happy. So we got a fun question from Bianca Garner. on Twitter. she is at the film B and she asks, what's the best film to watch about being at the beach? Kim, why don't you start? Wait,
3: well, thank you. Um, I was thinking about this
0: one. You know, it's it's terrible, but it's fun. I'm gonna throw out Beach Blanket bingo. I was waiting for someone to say that and I figured it would be Kim.
1: <laughs> why do you love beach blanket bingo Ken?
0: Because
3: it's I I think it's probably my favorite of the Frankie and Annette beach party movies Um, it, it doesn't take itself seriously at all I mean the movie starts with you know Paul Lind and Paul Lind take you know helping Linda Evans out of a flights you know a sky jumping you know parachute going you think of me as your father I mean it's it riffs on pearl white movies it's harvey lembeck is you know in his eric von zipper role it's just it's fun it doesn't take itself seriously in the slightest it knows exactly what it is and it has fun every second of the time
1: uh lauren jaws (laughs) (laughs) she stole my answer
2: (laughs) it was between that and the shallows and i was just like no jaws jaws definitely
1: (laughs) um why do you love jaws
2: i well i mean who doesn't love jaws it it really is i i think a number of people were watching it on july 4th it seems to be a tradition but um i was rewatching it again recently and it's just it really is just a well put together film it's a great like shark as serial killer movie and uh it's it's just it's such it's so much fun and it's peak spielberg it really is spielberg just doing his absolute best and and actually despite the fact that so many beachgoers get eaten um it did make me want to go like oh i really like the beach i want to go to the beach
1: <laughs> yeah i don't necessarily want to go in the water but i like to be at the beach i'll just say i'll be at the beach
2: and watch <laughs> for the sharks so yes.
1: so yeah jaws <laughs> i loved the tweet that came out uh sometime i think it was last year i saw it where they were talking about why local elections matter and they point out that the same mayor from jaws is still the mayor in jaws 2 <laughs> because he got reelected after he refused to close the beaches so local elections matter people vote um <laughs> kristen how about you
0: um i'm gonna go with 1959 skidget uh, I love Gidget. I knew you were gonna
1: say that. <laughs> yeah,
0: Gidget is my girl. Um, Gidget is the delightful story of a little girl who wants to surf, but it's also a deeper narrative about sexual awakening. I'm not even kidding, I've written about this. Um, so so yeah, it's great. Um, Sandra D is a little high pitched, but she's delightful, and it's a wonderful story about how back in the day. You could be a 35-year-old man and live on the beach and take your shirt off in front of a 16-year-old girl and she totally wanted to hang out with you and it was completely innocent and everybody was cool with
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember watching the TV show. I really liked it. I
0: don't that's, know if that's I've true. Ever
1: actually, seen the movie.
0: Oh, you should. I've not seen the TV show. I've seen all three of the films. Um, spoiler alert: the girl playing Gidget has changed in all three of them. Um, but and but,
1: also in the TV show,
0: <laughs> exactly. So I, I would say watch the first one at least. It's very different from what the TV show ended up becoming.
3: See, I, I would defend Gidget Goes Hawaiian.
0: I enjoy that one. <laughs> uh, I like Gidget Goes to Rome mostly because I was say Gidget just... Goes to
3: Rome for me is a
0: meh. <laughs> Gidget Goes to Rome is just the first Gidget, only Oh, wait, I've
1: seen that one. I do remember seeing that one when I was a kid.
0: Oh, okay. Back so and watch the yeah. first Gidget, and you're good.
1: You know, I probably have seen it. I just was too young to remember. Because so, my mom was obsessed with Gidget, so... Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bianca, for that question. That was a lot of fun. We also got another question from Professor Guts at Loves Guts. I'm assuming this is a um, real person. I, I think it must be. Uh, this apparently came in over the weekend last weekend after we had already recorded because it was about their projection... Uh, for the box office last week so sicario day of the soldado is doing well at the box office and is currently projected to make 18 million dollars what do you believe this shows about the american audiences that went to see it so um sicario day of the soldado did open in third place last weekend at the box office with a total of about 19 million dollars and um Kristen take it away
0: <laughs> what do i think this says about american audiences Well i think it it puts them in two camps the people that continue to blindly believe that Taylor Sheridan is a great screenwriter who is saying something about America and middle American conservatives who think that this movie proves that everything they've ever thought about Mexicans is true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, well, what do you
0: can, guys? Can I jump in with one yes, thing? Yes,
3: please do. A, well, don't lump all of us in middle that's
0: Americans. That's true, that's true. <laughs> Hashtag about
3: all middle Americans. Not all middle Americans, because dear God, I'm done with all of this shit. But I say as a a reformed college Republican, and I wanted to jump in with this in the previous abortion film discussion, too, all of this shit thrives on victimhood, creating a sense of being persecuted, being oppressed... uh, that is such a huge line of thought that continues through these conservative circles and that, oh, look at what the liberals do. Look at what, you know, they don't let us speak. That's one of the main things you hear as a conservative on a college campus. And they, and Taylor Sheridan, I think, is falling in with that kind of voice. And it's just, it's a persecution complex. And movies like this have an audience, but it's just people blindly searching for something that confirms to their own viewpoint. There's absolutely no care whatsoever of creating anything truthful, anything you know, written to show both sides, presenting of any evidence. It is just people, it's the same reason we have news networks that pander to each and every demographic, because people just want to hear the news they want to hear from their side. They don't care about the other side. They don't care about the other perspective. They just want to hear people who think like themselves. And I think that shows that these kind, these films with these views continue to have an audience, and it's a really sad statement to the sad state of affairs of American popular culture.
1: Yeah, one thing I do want to point out is that, uh, first of all, this movie opened in over 3,000 theaters last weekend, and um, it... As of Friday, had only brought in thirty million dollars on a production budget of thirty-five million. It did also bring in another eight million worldwide, like overseas. So it's at thirty-eight point five, going into this weekend with a budget of thirty-five million dollars. So it's not a spectacular opening, especially when you consider it's on three thousand screens. Um, I mean, it's it's fine. It's not a flop or anything, but I think that. I think the fact that it wasn't a bigger, a bigger deal actually is is a promising sign. Are you saying
0: that it say. might mean that people that hate Taylor Sheridan might have been right all along, Karen? <laughs> I would never say that's not true. Well, then, <laughs> just just to
2: jump just to jump in, I, I also think that when you when it comes to just your regular, average middle of the road film goers, people liked Sicario the first one um mm-hmm. this was bit the way that this was marketed the way that the trailers looked all of that it looks like it looks like more of the same so without emily blunt um so i i think that there are a lot of people that probably just saw it or just like oh i liked the first film i'll go see the second one Honestly, I did not know who Taylor Sheridan was until like a couple weeks ago. So, and I'm someone beautiful,
0: beautiful ignorant person. I wish I could have lived that world.
2: (laughs) Well, and now I know because I I just I just hadn't paid attention. Now I know. Like he wrote uh, Hell or High Water and those films, which I like. Hell or High Water. I completely understand that it has problems, but I I like. Hell or High
0: Water is the only good Taylor Sheridan movie because it has no women in it.
2: <laughs>
3: Probably
0: it has some women. It has some
3: women. There, they there just are, they, they just don't rank on any scale of importance. They're they're there and then they kind of go away. And then but they go home. So so <laughs> so um.
2: But I, I I I seriously doubt if I don't really have any awareness of who Taylor Sheridan is. I seriously doubt that a lot of just your normal people who go to the movies on the weekend have a clue who Taylor Sheridan is. I think that a lot of the Sicario box office probably has to do with the fact that it is a serious action movie. It's a sequel to a fairly popular original film.
1: Um, I would like to point out that Sicario, Day of the Soldado, is number 44 so far in the 2018 box office, and some movies that made more money than Sicario are Sherlock Gnomes.
0: Thank you, Sherlock (laughs) Gnomes.
1: Den of Thieves, Overboard, and those failures of movies a wrinkle in time and solo <laughs> so,
0: well and i will i will say so i wrote an article about why i hate taylor sheridan it's part one in a series i could continue um on why i think he is a hack that represents apparently you need to apparently i need based to based on the
1: fact that people don't understand what you
0: mean when we say why people, I hate taylor sheridan part five when we say people we mean men <laughs> Men don't understand what I mean. Um, Not people. <laughs> sooner or later, they'll start reading. Exactly. The I recommend going and actually reading the article before you send me a tweet about how I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like I. But your entire point should be made in the headline, Kristen. I, I it, it is. It is actually <laughs> why I hate Taylor Sheridan. It says it literally answers the question if you bother to read it. Um, and and I've seen all of his movies, so I do kind of feel like. I'm an expert a little bit on his films um so I, a lot of people I think tri- attribute the quote unquote failure of Sicario 2 not to the fact that Taylor Sheridan wrote it um that oh it didn't have Danny Villeneuve it didn't have Emily Blunt it was made with a neophyte director it was it, it has nothing to do with Taylor Sheridan I think people will assume that the script was not the problem unless they actually see it Um, so I don't think this is the last we'll see from him he's actually directing another movie again Um, but but yeah it it has been really funny from people who feel that he is their hill to die on um, because I don't know why Um, but yeah apparently I'm a horrible human being uh, because you know he has brown people in the leads in his movies that means my point is invalid No, it doesn't. He doesn't get a cookie just because he cast Benicio in the lead. You know, which, Benicio is kind of colorblind casting in most of his movies. Um, Oh my god, why? Why fucking Taylor Sheridan? (sighs) (laughs) If we ever get money to open a Zazzle store, I'm literally making a shirt that says, I fucking hate Taylor Sheridan, and it's going to have his fucking face on it. Have, have we seen the
3: synopsis of Taylor Sheridan's next project? It's actually... Oh my God! What is it? I
0: know it's just called... Wait, I know it's called Olympus. Olympus yeah. on, is what I'm seeing on
3: IMDb, and it says a decorated soldier turns spy finds out he is descended from the Greek gods and could actually be humanity's. <laughs> because backstory. of
0: course, this fucking about all of that. Oh my God! It is okay. So let me throw this out. Taylor Sheridan jacks off onto a, a, a script page, and that's what his scripts are. They are just wank material for him, okay? This movie <laughs> proves it. Okay, and let me guess. It is gonna be the whitest of white men. Fuck, if Army Hammer's cast oh, in this no- movie, I'm gonna be super pissed, okay? You know, no casting. don't say, don't, don't even say that. Don't even say that. <laughs> but it would make sense, actually. It, it kind of would. It would. It might be John Bernthal for all we know, because he just pops up in these movies. I'm starting to think they might be friends, and it might be detrimental to our relationship. Fucking <laughs> Taylor Sheridan, yeah, that's sure it's so. gonna happen one day. It's gonna happen. All right, let's do it. So yeah, men, stop having thoughts and stop read the article first before you tweet me. That's all I'm asking. You can tell me I'm wrong after you prove to me that you read it. I I
3: think that should be the important point of this discussion (laughs) is before you take the time to jump into someone else's mentions on Twitter or on anywhere,
0: read the goddamn article. Think before you speak And guys, just because you had a daughter or you know a woman does not mean that you know dick about what I'm talking about.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That is not... Uh, can we just like bury that phrase <laughs> as the father of a
2: daughter as the father of a daughter I suddenly discovered that women were people after I had a child you know someone pointed this out how does that make his like wife or girlfriend feel I'm just like right. oh by the way I did not consider you human until you gave birth to my child okay, well,
0: you know Lauren I know you... what
3: dogs we're vessels we're vessels for Lauren, reproduction Lauren I know That's what dogs it. are
0: thinking because I am an owner of an animal <laughs> <laughs> just saying, well, Paul, Paul Feige Feig is a female
2: Ghostbuster. We know this. Right, they they right. like tell you, tell you, you do what you, you tell what you know. Right, that's exactly.
0: Writing is Cameron exactly. Sheridan uh, supposedly is the auteur of write what you know. So if that's the case, then we should all just. I mean, we literally are what we know. Apparently, I am. A, I am apparently a hundred some odd years old because I lived in the nineteen thirties because I watch a lot of nineteen you know classic films. I'm apparently three hundred.
1: Well, that is...
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Karen.
3: Well, if if Taylor Sheridan writes what we know, and ergo his treatment of minorities and women, so hey. I thought you were
0: going to say he's a horse, because there's always horses in his movies. (laughs) That that too. I I
2: don't know, I think we should... Given the number of people that end up getting shot in his movies, I think we should be a little concerned, actually. Exactly.
0: He could be Fire Marshal Bill, for all we know. Like, he just could be, like, the living dead. (laughs) Taylor Sheridan is gonna have to prove to me he's not a zombie. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Prove (laughs) to me you're not a zombie, guy. Well, I wonder what
1: is more difficult. Taylor Sheridan proving he's not a zombie, or us having to prove our opinions... (laughs)
2: i was wondering i was like that's exactly what i was thinking I was, I was like prove prove that jurassic world is not a documentary i you can't can you, you it know, isn't I,
0: you know <laughs> i don't know maybe you can't it prove it i not. don't know universal anything has anymore. the theme park morin it's real okay they have the gates you walk <laughs> through them and then you go on the roller coaster
1: I don't even know if I hated that movie anymore. I can't find a way to prove it to myself. (laughs) For
0: for
2: for those who do not know, who've not been following the excitement of like Karen's Twitter feed, uh, this is a result of a a man asking you to asking you for your opinion and then asking you to prove that that was your opinion.
1: Yeah. So what happened was I was part of a conversation where um, they were. It was of course one of those solo or no, not Solo, uh, The Last Jedi conversations and um, so yeah, so this guy basically assumed that because I love The Last Jedi that that's just because I just love all big successful movies and don't have a way to form my own opinions about things and so then he said, well, name a couple of big successful movies you didn't like, so I did
0: Wait a wait, minute, wait a minute, like, wait Jurassic a minute. World. You, are, you got accused of Telling you got accused of saying somebody saying you don't have an opinion on a movie, but yet yeah, we know. No, I a, do
1: have an opinion because of because I like all right. big budget.
0: We movies, know a person so, yeah. who knowingly plagiarized my opinion so that they could look like they had a really progressive opinion, and that guy doesn't get shit.
1: <laughs> well, and that? actually, this is kind of what along those lines. What happened was so then this guy basically says, "Well." do you have any evidence to support that you didn't like these movies that you're now saying you don't like? And there, so there was another guy that was in this conversation too. And that dude didn't ask him. To prove anything. And we both jumped on that. We're like, why do I have to prove it and he doesn't? And then he turned this around into this whole, like, me attacking him and, like, trying to trying to further the feminist agenda and accusing him of things that aren't true. And I'm like, I'm not the one that was asking a woman and not a man.
0: Karen, but, apparently you are a lawyer uh, now. You know? <laughs> I... Well it's it's funny It's funny you bring that up because I got a comment from a wonderful sane person about my Taylor Sheridan article that said because I did not write a whole treatise in my article or in my review of Deadpool 2 about Marina Baccarin right. being fridged <laughs> in that film therefore I am quote inconsistent and don't know what I'm talking about.
1: Right, right.
0: I bet <sighs> he didn't even read your Deadpool 2
3: article.
1: Well, if you well, had, you might of... have learned how to spell Marina McCarran because you do I, I, Yeah, I wanted to there.
0: say, Mom, I love how you care so much about her, but you can't bother to spell her name properly. It's just, um, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it has just been a bang us...
2: up day for men on the internet. Like, this week has just been great.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. J.D. Howell, if you're listening sit and spin, guy. That's all I got for you. (laughs) This week shows us that men don't have to
3: cite their sources at all. But yeah, women have (gasps) to not only cite sources on, you know, thoughts, but on opinions as well. Mm
0: -hmm. And sometimes men can just take your opinion and run it as their own. Exactly. I'm sorry, I'm never gonna get over that. Never gonna get over that. It happened twice.
1: Yeah, well fuck that guy.
0: Yeah, fuck that that guy. guy.
1: (laughs) Well, um... Onto a can we move to a different guy that is wonderful? Um,
0: Karen, Karen took my Karen took my comment and PG'd it. Okay. I don't no, know what no, you're you talking can, you about. You can
3: say "fuck that guy" again, but yeah. you just have to change your tone. <laughs> well, fuck that yes. guy. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm look, trying to not be accused of objectification virgin. here. So. Um, <laughs>
0: I love Lauren's smooth jazz version
1: of it (laughs) They will, they always do Okay, so um, The Best Chris is in a TV show that is coming in January We had a trailer this week for I Am the Night, which is from Patty Jenkins and stars Chris Pine India Isley and a few other people
0: that I don't Karen, I think you forgot to say Patty Jenkins' actual Amazon who lives on an island. Oh, yeah. right,
1: yes, because we only write what we know. So, yes, yes. she is um, the daughter of Zeus, you know? So that, I mean, that explains a lot, honestly, if she is. So uh, anyway, so I Am the Night is a television series that will be on, I believe, TNT. And the official synopsis is... Inspired by true events, I Am the Night tells the story of Fauna Hodel, who was given away at birth. As Fauna begins to investigate the unbelievable secrets to her past, she meets a ruined reporter, Chris Pine, haunted by the case that undid him. Together, they both follow a sinister trail that swirls even closer to an infamous Hollywood gynecologist, Dr. George Hodel, a man involved in some of the... Hollywood's darkest debauchery and possibly its most infamous unsolved crime. Okay, first of all, I love the use of the word debauchery. Second of all, <laughs> <laughs> the most infamous unsolved crime is the Black Dahlia. Yes. Uh, did you guys watch the trailer? I did. Yes. 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 What did you think?
0: Um, I don't watch TV, so I don't. You, I, I could lie and say I'll probably watch this. I probably will get to it at some point. Um, no, I might actually watch this one. Um, it's on TNT, which just makes me kind of bummed because it's a dark, gritty throwback to, like, the 1940s, and it just makes me think, God, if Mob City had come out in 2018, it might have lasted more than a season. Um, but this this looks really good. It's Patty Jenkins. Um, Victoria Mahoney uh, is one of the co-directors. Um, the hotel stuff... I think we've proven he didn't kill the Black Dahlia, but I know there's a lot of people that really believe he did. Um, but I'm, I'm really interested in that that element. And India Isley is Olivia Hussey's daughter. I did not know that oh, until just now. I didn't know um, that either. So, so some more classic Hollywood connections. But I'm all for like a sleazy James Elroy-esque type of uh, a true crime hollywood story um so yeah i'm i'm intrigued i'm it up looks- for
1: eight episodes of chris pine on my tv in my living room yeah. so that, that's
0: true that's true <laughs> i'm silly me i'm talking about like cinematography <laughs> and set design and history and really uh, it's just all about the pine i mean all about pine. i'm here
1: for all that too but you know i'm a little Don't more lie. here for it because of monsieur pine
0: so <laughs> That's another shirt we need to get. She says Miss Your Pine with a Pine Tree on it. <laughs> <on. laughs>
3: Kim, what are you thinking? Well, my I'm gonna start with continuing on the thread of objectification. Um, my <laughs> negative point for the trailer stems back to that. I've been following this project for a bit and I, I knew Black Doll Dahl- I knew the Black Dahlia tie-ins. I knew Monsieur Pine would be in it. However, it looks to me from the trailer that Monsieur Pine is in the 60s, I was really excited for lots of Chris Pine in 1940s clothes.
0: So much, wool. So so much fedora.
3: I really wanted more Chris Pine in 1947, those clothes. When I saw he was, it looks like he's in a flash forward. I was like, oh, 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 man.
1: I would like him in less clothes. I don't know. Well, what that I,
3: talking I mean, <laughs> that is that is you know preferable as well. Uh, I I watched my, Kristen. You know, read my mind. Bringing up Mob City, I was thinking of that. I am. Hell yeah. I am always there for the James Elroy esque. I I like gritty. I like the Hollywood legends, and you know. I, I like all of that stuff so i will totally be there and miss pine only makes it that much better
2: yeah i i am i am there too i have actually just finished reading two james l roy books uh, almost directly in succession so as soon as this came up i was just like oh my god yes yes uh-huh. thank you uh and and the fact that it's that's patty jenkins first of all i mean come on we have to we have to talk about that fact uh and and also chris pine is just like i don't this this looks great and there have been so many just good limited series that have been coming out recently and and basically you know i know that there's a conversation about it is it tv is it film it's tv but the nice thing about it is that it's this extended arc of a narrative it isn't just like ep- episodic moments but like we're, we're gonna get to see an entire story play out in ex- a, in you know over the course of eight hours or or six hours whatever else and that's just awesome like I'm I'm all for it
1: yeah absolutely and I agree with you I mean the fact that this is Patty Jenkins heading this project is really important and we know that she is great with storytelling. She did a fantastic job with Wonder Woman. But even before that, for the years in between Monster and Wonder Woman, she was doing television and doing great work in television. I don't know if you ever saw her episodes. I don't know if you guys ever watched The Killing. But she directed the ser- the pilot for that. And it was one of the best hours of television of the, you know, since 2000, I would say. it's. I mean, she's really great. And telling long form stories is really a strength for her so i'm excited um okay so moving into reviews let's talk first um lauren you wanted to talk about three identical strangers i actually saw it yesterday too Sweet. so why don't you start us off uh
2: okay so three identical strangers is let me pull up the the details on it unless you have them immediately
1: yeah here it is right here okay. so it's a documentary and it is new york 1980 three complete strangers accidentally discover that they are identical triplets separated at birth the 19 year old's joyous reunion catapults them to international fame but it also unlocks an extraordinary and disturbing secret that goes beyond their own lives and could transform our understanding of human nature forever
2: yeah so this this was actually i was interested in this documentary initially because i kept on going to see movies at the angelica in new york and uh and they kept on advertising this film and finally i was just like you know what this sounds fascinating um and it's a really well structured documentary you know you've, it, it starts out sort of with the the narrative about the these three brothers meeting each other again and how they how they actually came to find out that they had not just one twin but two these guys are identical um and i i love the use of the the archival footage and the photographs and everything just showing these guys of how very much alike they look and talk and act um and so the film starts out with this like great deal of joyousness because it's like you you've just discovered that you've got two brothers that you didn't know were were alive and then as it proceeds and you begin to get they begin to introduce like little elements that kind of raise questions in the viewer's mind and then it becomes more, the, as they go deeper and deeper into the story and talking about, you know, so there are a number of questions that are raised by the fact that there are these three boys who were obviously separated at birth. So, for instance, why were they separated at birth? Why did they not know? Why did their parents not know that there were two other boys um, in in this group? And as the phone proceeds, I don't want to give too much away about what happens, but as the phone proceeds and you get, it gets deeper and deeper into the story of these guys and and also connections to, to other people in the 19 um, the 1950s and 60s it gets much darker and murkier and and much much sadder and it, it was just such a well put together film and so moving and affecting and also made me very angry and it was interesting because i was in an audience that was packed and I could hear the the two women behind me at one point, just like this one woman, just like, "Well, that's just terrible." And and I was like, "Yeah, it was. It is just terrible." Um, so it was it was a it's a very interesting film, and um, I think probably one of the best documentaries that I've seen this year.
1: Yeah, it's. I had heard about it, and I had kind of thought, "Oh, maybe that sounds interesting." Like I remember hearing stories along these lines as a kid like i think i watched a Dateline in high school that i don't think it got into their story but some other you know stories about twins being separated at birth and stuff like that and i've always thought it was it was kind of an interesting thing and so i heard about this and went oh maybe that'll be good and then one of our award circuit writers um chris james he wrote the review on it and and he is a he was adopted as a baby and so this story kind of had a different um, meaning for him and so when I was reading his review and just the way he was writing about it it just really made me want to go and and see it finally so yesterday I had some time and I was trying to get out of the 112 degree heat so I went and saw it and same same uh, type of reaction from the audience as you had Lauren where it was just a lot of a, the it was a very vocal audience, which you don't normally get in a documentary. But um, even I, like at one point, was just like, "No," <laughs> you know. And I think I annoyed the guy in front of me. But um, but yeah, it's it's one of the things that I thought was really um, interesting was the way like they'll show this archival footage, they'll show these interviews at one point, and then they'll play the same clips again. Yeah later when you have a different context for it and it totally makes it seem more sinister in certain ways or it just it totally changes the meaning and it's it was really um I don't know it was it was fascinating and it left me wanting to know even more about the story even though I feel like it did a really good job of presenting everything that they have it left me really just like I need to know more about this I need to know about these other people that it talks to that you know that are introduced and I want to know more about this situation and it's fascinating you guys should check it out if you have the chance
2: yeah it's, it's almost like a puzzle that you get these little yeah. pieces that and and that's what I'm saying when, when I said it was well put together that you get these little tiny pieces that you're just like well that's a little weird or, oh, that mm-hmm. that's odd that, you know, that happened at, at that time. And then you almost forget about it because you're going along with, with the narr- the main narrative that the film is telling at that point. And then, like you're saying, they go back to the, to some of those elements. And there was one point in this film where I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they go back to an, I think I know exactly what you They go about. back to an element <laughs> that they actually talked about very early in the film. And then didn't reference again, and then suddenly it was like, "Oh shit!" Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it, just in terms of a piece of entertainment, you know, it's it's interesting and it's important in its own way, but also just as as an entertaining film and a story, it's really well done.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It is also a little bit um, a little bit sad, yeah. like actually quite a bit sad in certain places too. But it's it's definitely one that people should watch. It's it's very worth your time. So, yeah. Oh, it's great. Okay. So, there was another movie that came out this weekend. Um, did anyone see Ant Man and the Wasp? I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> nope. So did I. Lauren, uh, we got to get you on some lists. Well, man. I
2: also had absolutely no interest in seeing Ant Man and the Wasp. So,
1: I, I <laughs> could have gone, but I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, Ant-Man and the Wasp is, of course, the sequel to Ant-Man. It stars Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. Um, Paul Rudd is Ant-Man. He is on house arrest because he went and joined the fight um, in Civil War, Captain America Civil War. And so he took a plea, which is why he was absent from uh, Infinity War, because he was on house arrest at the time and couldn't leave to go fight. Um, Thanos. So, let's see. Uh, basically everyone is back for this one. Um, and, uh, the same director, Peyton Reed, came back and directed this one too. Uh, he had joined the first movie late after Edgar Wright had quit. Um, and so he joined and that led to some, uh, some people wondering if he was really the right director for it and a lot of criticism about the film, the film. But this time around, um, it was completely his
3: from the beginning. So, uh, Kim, why don't you start us off? I loved it. I I mean, I was a fan of the first film as well. I mean, it's, you know, not... It's not the strongest, I think, of the Marvel solo team-ups, but I enjoyed it. And I actually enjoyed this one a great deal more than the first one. Um, I, I, I know it's... I thought the chemistry that Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly had together was absolutely adorable. Those two, he just, he manages for me that, I mean, is is as man-child as he is. He's just, I find, I've liked him since Clueless, I find him very likable, I find him very charismatic, and it just worked, and adding him and Evangeline Lilly in this one working together so closely, I just think they found a great tone together, I thought they found a great pace i wanted more um thinking about the two villains trying desperately not to spoil anything you have a you have ghost who's undergone a huge shift from how she is written or how the character is written in the comics and a typical marvel villain walt played by walton goggins who's i can't even too, too much remember that backstory uh he unless we see him pull a martin freeman in return um you could throw that one away i wanted so much more from that ghost character i was as i was watching that char- watching that movie i was totally thinking how they could that character could have her own movie i thought that was such a fascinating such a riveting story that i just i wanted more um i thought the emotion there was very interesting i thought the performance was great and I, the thought that popped into my head was totally, you know, a DOA type of script looking at this character. Um, action sequences were great. And I know, Karen, you're going to talk about this as well, so I'll leave more of the details for you. But the fact that Wasp and Ghost particularly have some of the best action sequences in the movie... Um, I was worried about the Michael Pena character because I was kind of thinking about that before, how many times we've seen that one particular character absolutely explode in a movie or a television series and then they completely lose sight of what makes it work. But I thought Pena once again did an awesome job and he was one of the MVPs for me in the movie. Um, I laughed and unlike my uh, test greeting audience not giving away any spoilers for anybody stay till the last credit sequence just stay about three quarters of our film didn't and I don't get why you would leave early in a Marvel movie
0: yeah have people not learned I don't understand Kristen um yeah I saw I remember seeing the first Ant-Man but I have no memory of what actually happened in it uh short of the fact that Corey Stoll is in it <laughs> um, so, I'm not big on the, I'm not big on Marvel, we know this. I'm not big on, on the Ant-Man character. I did not see Civil War, so I was a taste confused about what happened, but I, I picked it up pretty quick. Um, this is a solid time waster while you're waiting for the next Avengers movie. Um, it does feel a bit jarring having just seen Avengers Infinity War Part 1, and then watch this, which takes place... Before I don't know how far before the events of that movie. They're, they're um, concurrent, if you think about it. Yeah. Okay, so. so yeah, at the same time. Okay, um, so, so yeah, there, it was a bit jarring if you're watching these in sequence, having just seen that one a couple months ago. You're going to be like, oh, this is, remember when everybody was happy and free? Yeah. Um, paul rudd's fine he's the the dad that you know every i think everybody wishes they they had um even though he's a criminal uh you know making making like goonies-esque adventures for his daughter at the beginning um it's very cute um i i thought though that he was kind of irrelevant in the movie um up until about the third act um which i love the san francisco location shots in this movie um i was like oh i've been there um but i i do Think this is not an Ant-Man movie. This is a Wasp movie, and I loved Evangeline Lilly. Um, her and Michael Douglas, I think, had some great father-daughter uh, camaraderie together. They, their story was fascinating to me. I could have given a shit about the Scott Lang character, um, and his stuff. I cared about the the quantum realm, um, and and they're they're searching for Michelle Pfeiffer, who I love, is the only a- character that they don't de-age because she's immortal. She's fantastic um, I wanted more of her. she is a very minor figure in this movie which was a little upsetting. Um, the Hannah John Cayman's character who's um, ghost I actually wrote a long-winded article about how I felt she could have been very interesting. Um, she's a chronic pain sufferer um, suffer is not the word I want to use but that's kind of the, the de facto thing um, but and she's also a, a woman of color. Um, who is disabled, or at least has a, a, something that we consider a disability, again, could have been very fascinating, but this movie stuffs in so many different things that she's a little underutilized. Um, I felt there were a lot of villains in this movie. If you had had just the, the whole quantum realm thing with, with Ghost, it would have been a lot tighter. Walton Goggins is in this movie, playing essentially his character from Tomb Raider, and i he just kept popping up and I was like, what is his deal? Why is he here? There's no real reason for him to be here. Um, and I did really love, I I know everybody loves Michael Pena, but I actually really liked his friend, um, the the Baba Yaga guy (laughs) that (laughs) kept freaking, yeah, the guy (laughs) that kept freaking out thinking that that Baba Yaga was coming for them. Um, I thought he was really funny. Um, it's a time waster, you know, I, I don't remember much about it now. I saw it a week ago, um, but I it was pleasant it was a very pleasant time at the movies
1: <laughs> so I have seen this twice now I saw it at the press screening like a couple weeks ago and then I saw it again last night with friends and I just think this is a lot of fun it's honestly nice to have kind of a, a breath of uh, a time time to breathe after we had Black Panther and Infinity War which are both pretty heavy-hitting films and that's one of the things that I like about the Ant-Man character is that he's not, um, he doesn't come with a lot of, of weight. He is a, a lighter character, kind of silly. And, and it's it actually, I think, really works. And I think that the timing on this film, having it be the third one that came out this year, was, was a smart move. I do wish it had come out maybe another few weeks later. I think we still need a little bit more time. Um, since infinity war but it's still um, it's a lot of fun and you know going off of what Kim was saying like the action scenes and well and what you're what you're saying too Kristen like Scott is almost a- irrelevant in the story which is something that I found really interesting because of the fact that you know that's one of our biggest complaints that we've had against Marvel forever is that they haven't had any, female centric stories we've had black widow we have um scarlet witch and neither of them is a focal point in the films and so we're finally getting captain marvel next year yeah but this felt like a step in the right direction It still got ant-man's name on it of course but um, they really meant it when they put the wasp in the title and when I had first heard that that was the title, I figured it was it was more of a placating move, but now that I've seen the movie, I realize no, like this is really this really very much is about the wasp. We see a lot of development of her character. I love the relationship between her and her father, and the fact that they do kind of have some deep seated issues, but at the same time, like they just work through it and they just keep working together and. Um, I thought Evangeline Lilly was great. I really like her. I've always liked her since the days on Lost. Um, I know a lot of people thought that she was terrible on that show, but I've always loved her. And, um, yeah, I, I thought all the characters were fun. I agree that there are a lot of villains, but I think that when you have such a kind of a lower stakes character, it just, to me, it just added more to it. So, I mean, Scott Lang is pretty, uh... Not that he's nothing. He's just... There's not a lot of heft there. And so having the extra villains just, just made it more... Uh, just added to the story instead of taking away, I thought. Um, I would like to have known more about Ghost in ways besides just seeing her backstory and flashbacks. But uh, but I did like uh, like her character. I am curious to see what will happen next. Because I don't think that we've seen the last of her. So... Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I It's hilarious. There are some seriously just really funny moments that come in completely unexpected ways. So, there you go. Any other final thoughts? All right. Well, Ant-Man and the Wasp is in theaters now. So, go check that out and let us know what you think. And uh, let us know what you think about anything we've talked about today. Uh, we've covered a lot of ground as we tend to um so you can always reach out to us on twitter we are on twitter at citizen dame pod we are also on facebook facebook.com slash citizen dame and we have our website citizen dame pod.com where we have lots of fun stuff for you we've got our weekly citizen dame five uh the current week is uh movies that made us proud to be women and next week is.
0: Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be the coming week. So this yeah. week's, yeah, current one, we'll be doing top five favorite moments of male objectification. Or uh, I think go. I have it listed as moments of the female gaze.
1: <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll be more PC about it. Um. Yes, and we also have <laughs> Kim's
0: Feminist Friday uh, on. Last week's was Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And, and I don't what know are my, you
1: starting up, Kristen?
0: Uh, this week will be the first of my uh, six part series, possibly seven if I decide that I might be uh, nice to you all and review a seventh movie. Um, the first of my uh, series, Brolin with the Homies, I'm talking about the 2000 TV movie version of Picnic. If you're saying, Kristen, they made a TV movie version of Picnic in the early 2000s, yes. Yes, they did. It aired on CBS. And it's some it's a movie. Something that exists. (laughs) It's a thing.
3: Well, that's certainly a movie.
0: (laughs) If you ever thought if you ever thought, you know what I really wish Josh Brolin redid a movie Bill Holden starred in and played a character Bill Holden played? Well, you are in luck.
1: I will also in the next week or two be starting up my Tom Cruise series where I'll be reviewing every Tom Cruise movie ever, which I have now seen them all.
0: So... And, and Karen, what are we calling it? Cruising with Karen. Ah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks to Kristen for that one.
0: So and, uh,
2: and, and I'll be having some we... coverage of Fantasia Fest over the next couple
3: of days. Right.
1: So we're looking forward to that. Yes. We yeah, are very we'll be, excited about that.
2: We'll be
3: diving into our What I Did for Loves, right, as well this month? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who who won that? Be.
0: Who won? I put that in I quotes. <laughs> Laurie. Was I that
2: so It was like Casino Royale, so. 19, whatever it is, 1967. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. so that'll
0: be coming soon uh, once Fantasia Fest yeah. is done. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, so, and, and, of course, our... Oh, oh sorry. Oh, no, oh, wow, I was just... going to say Patreon, so throw yeah. it out
1: there. Yeah, So, and, of course, we have our Patreon if you would like to support the show, you can follow us, patri- or you can find us on patreon.com slash citizen dame, and uh, we have all kinds of fun goodies over there. Um, we currently have, well, there's our Ultimate Movie Boyfriend episode. We just added um, Kristen and my Sicario, the original, the first Sicario, um, audio commentary, which I gotta say is pretty funny and you just you want to hear it so uh so go on over there and check it out and subscribe and you can have access to all kinds of fun perks so we and are we four dollars
3: away from our next goal and what is our next goal a man from alcohol
1: centric
2: episode
3: <laughs> yes 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 we
0: might we might be able to entice um a special a special guest onto that um who i know I know, loves man from Uncle, um, and and Lauren's gonna be there too. Is our um... sitting in the back,
2: making <laughs> our... snide comments, just like yeah, as it's our bridge.
0: Yes, <laughs> she's gonna be all. I must stop the man from Uncle. <laughs> so if you want to
1: torture Lauren, give us four dollars.
0: Yes, give us four dollars. <laughs> Come on,
2: so many of you guys have blocked me. You might as well like torture me. So let's just do it. Like... Yeah.
0: Uh, if we get, I should. I really, we should put a goal. I think our next goal should be. I don't. Well, it might not be our next goal depending on how much it actually costs. T-shirts. I'm telling you. Yep. I'm it's in. The, you, it is in there miss, for it's a goal. Miss your happening. pine. Okay. You know you want a shirt <laughs> that says that with the pine. Tree totally on do. It.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, and of course you can always follow our individual twitters. Kristen, where are you at?
0: I am at Journeys underscore Film, and we should mention. In terms of what we're seeing this week i will finally get to see sorry to bother you on monday i'm so freaking excited i am so freaking jealous i know for (laughs) once for once i see something before karen does
1: you see things before me a lot um what else is is anybody else seeing anything fun uh
0: i'm gonna try
1: to see leave no trace
2: at some point this weekend probably
3: cool sorry to bother you this week sometime and maybe leave no trace yeah, uh, I think today I'm gonna
1: go see American Animals finally. So Ooh. I haven't seen that yeah. one yet. So I'm excited. I think my
0: brother wants to go see The First Purge, so I think I might get roped into going to see it. Oh. Send him alone.
1: Yeah, and drop him off at the theater with a with a nickel and tell him. Don't <laughs> support a that with your
0: money. <laughs> <laughs> what world are you living in, Karen? Where a nickel actually buys something? <laughs>
3: For the payphones that the, the kids don't know exist.
1: <laughs> anyway, all right, um, Lauren, where is you? Where are you on Twitter? Blocking people? Yes, yeah,
2: so that's gonna is... be our new thing. <laughs> uh, I am at lh business. You can come and argue with me, and then block me because I told you that you were wrong.
1: <laughs> that sounds about right.
3: Kim at kpier 624 and i
1: am at karen m peterson so you can follow us you can tell us how awesome we are you can steal um, our ideas
0: and then pass them off as your own uh, don't do that i'm just yeah don't, don't do that Pause. cite your sources and, uh, cite your sources <laughs>
1: and uh yeah so we thank you for listening and we'll see you next week bye
0: <laughs> wow dr Pim. Like, like who would have thought that once again, in your hour of need, that that you would turn to us, you know? I me. Mean. Yeah. Help yourself. It hey, what's up with the fancy pastry? We gotta keep the food budget down. Well, what are we supposed to have for breakfast? The oatmeal packets. Oatmeal packets? It's insult. Why is it an insult? Because it tastes like sand. You know why? It's because it's organic. No, That's it's why. not organic. It's mm-hmm. It's you the most, most important meal of the day. day. You, can, you know what? You can get creative it with it. Great teeth. I'll oh, put a little brown sugar on it. You can put some cinnamon. You put a little honey. You whatever guys, you want. No, guys, you guys, don't. guys, guys!
1: guys come on, man. We
0: got bigger fish to fry. Is that my desk? Yeah.
1: What?
3: Why do I have such a small desk? Well, because you weren't there when we were choosing desks. You snooze, you lose.
0: Well, I was under house arrest. Yeah. You know what? This isn't even a desk. This is garbage. You found this outside
3: amongst garbage. I got it at a rummage sale. So you save money on my desk? Guys. Hope, please. We need to focus, all right? We got to find that lab already. Jeez.